Today, we'll take an early look at the Florida Gators 2023 recruiting efforts. We'll talk about Florida Gators in the Super Bowl, and we'll wrap up by previewing tonight's game between the Florida Gators men's basketball team and Texas A&M, only here on Locked On Gators. Are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free ride listen to podcasts with amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy Tuesday. I am Brandon Olson. Twitter is WNS underscore Brandon. Whole nine sports for all my written work. Going to get right into today's episode and today's content. An early look at the 2023 recruiting class. And, I, and I'm just going to highlight four recruits because I, I started doing my, my work on some targets and there's a lot of guys out here to like. Um, there's some damn good talent that Florida's recruiting and that is interested in coming to Florida. So, yeah, it, it's be excited. Billy Napier's out here doing his thing. Uh, first up is Cormani McLean, you know, five-star corner out of Lakeland. He's 6'1", 6'2", 165 pounds, and that is light. Like, that is that yeah that that's light even when i even when i played i was 511 i was 185 and i wasn't playing i wasn't playing d1 ball so so he, he's going to need to add some weight there especially at that at that height with that length but that's the thing like like this kid is is lanky like he is a lanky dude like mr fantastic out there like cormani McLean, he's got a, a ton of length to him and, you know, I mean, we know he's got the size. He's 6'1 in high school or 6'1 in, in high school or 6'1, 6'2, whatever it might be, in high school. Uh, his top eight right now is Alabama, Florida, Miami, Georgia, Oregon, BYU, Ohio State, and Michigan. Um, it was a top five, and then he expanded it to a top eight because, I mean, things are ramping up for him now. He gets to go on visits. He has not scheduled a visit with Florida at the time of recording this, but I'm sure he'll be here at some point in March, but uh, he's someone who it's weird because I feel like a lot of the top recruits are usually just, just super athletes. Like the next guy we're going to talk about, but um, I, I didn't get that vibe when I was watching Cormani, Cormani McLean. Like I, I didn't feel like he was super athletic, but I mean, he, he definitely has something about him. You know, he, he's got the size, he's got the instincts, he's got the ball skills, especially where it's just like, this dude could be great. Like, like he can be phenomenal, especially in like a zone scheme where he doesn't really have to, he's not really just, just running with dudes across the field. I think he'd be a freak in that scheme. And I mean, that's what we're going to run a lot with uh, Patrick Tony at the helm. So Cormani McLean would be an awesome fit in this defense and he'd be just, just sick to have, but I'm going to get to someone who I thoroughly enjoyed watching. And that is Malik Bryant, the 6'2", 235-pound edge out of Orlando. <sighs> Man, when I tell you, he is crazy. He's crazy. So 6'2", 235, he's going to probably stay about that size. Like that, That's solid size right now. Like, you know, he, he's an edge, but he's more of a two-point stance guy or 
you know, a stand-up pass rusher. He played a little bit of off-ball linebacker earlier in high school. Like he, he's got fine size as it is. But his first step is insane. Like, like Malik Bryant legitimately has one of the quickest first steps I've seen from a recruit or draft prospect since we're talking Dante Fowler Jr. Like, he is that damn quick off the line and like the thing with Malik Bryan also is he's got a pass rush plan like he works his spin he works his move he's got a plan the technique is not there yet um the, the technique has a lot of room to grow but when you're looking at a very athletic edge defender who's already got good size and has a pass rush plan I don't care right now if he can execute it that's what college is for for refining your technique when you're in high school and you're just an athlete, that's great for you. Like, like right now, he's got a pass rush plan, but he's winning those pass rush reps because of that athleticism. He's not, he's not just, you know, he's not DeMarcus Ware with his spin move, but he's he's quick enough. He's quicker than these offensive tackles. So that helps him there. So he wins with athleticism. He has a pass rush plan, but the technique, not really there. But that's something that he's going to be able to develop because he's going to be working with Sean Spencer. Like, like he's going to be huge for a pass for a defense that's going to need a top flight pass rusher. And I mean, Malik Bryant's going to be that dude. Like we got Brenton Cox Jr. this year. Next year, we'll see if it's it's if it's Princely, but it might be Malik Bryant. Like he could step in immediately and be a big time player. He's got interest from Bama, Georgia, Miami, pretty much all the top Southern schools want Malik Bryant. But I, I think Florida has kind of got the edge on them right now. It's just how things have been going recruiting wise and, and how they're going to look this year. I think that's going to be a big step for Malik Bryant to maybe being a Florida Gator. Next up is Tony Mitchell. He's a five-star corner out of Alabaster, Alabama, six to 180 pounds. And here's the weird thing, weird thing with him um, in quotes for those listening and not watching. He, he's 6'2", 180, but I feel like most of the time when I was watching him, he was, like, he played a lot of slot, he played a lot of slot corner, and that's, that's great, because Florida's a team where, you know, Trevez Johnson's been the slot guy, and that, that's not amazing in coverage. Tony Mitchell, someone who's listed as a corner, but I mean, he's more of just a nickel to me, and that's not a bad thing at all. Like, I, I had Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from Florida as the number 20 overall draft prospect in his class, strictly as a nickel corner. I didn't give a damn about his safety. I didn't give a damn about his corner play. Strictly as a nickel, he was elite. And and he's now elite in the NFL. He's top two, and he ain't number two as a nickel. So there's definitely a role for guys like that. And Tony Mitchell, he played a lot in the nickel, but he is just like, he looks he looks so comfortable in the slot and it's incredibly difficult. Like I've spoken about this before. It's incredibly difficult to play slot corner. Like I tried, I'm not good at it. Like I, I I just could not stick with guys because you've got to be reacting so quickly and you've got to have such a good first step when you get going that you've really got to eat up space. And Tony Mitchell thrives. He's a fluid mover. He's not super athletic. He doesn't seem like he's super fast. It doesn't seem like he's super explosive. But he's fluid, and he can get there. He reacts quickly. So I really liked what I saw from Tony Mitchell. I mean, I know he's got Clemson, Florida, Alabama, and Texas A&M are like his top four right now. Um, but again, like I think Florida gets either Tony Mitchell or Cormani McLean, prop, or possibly both, but that's not likely. But I think that one of them could come. And honestly, I don't think I'd have a preference. Like Cormani McLean's better on the outside 
But Tony Mitchell, like being a great slot is, is huge. Being a great nickel defender is huge. And not everybody can do that. Like, and obviously not everybody can play outside, but playing the nickel, I think it's a lot harder to find a good nickel defender than it is to find a good outside corner. The final player to talk about, Caden Proctor, six foot seven, 330 pound, five star offensive tackle from Des Moines, Iowa. And I look, I, I have no problem admitting um, individual offensive line play, not my strong suit when evaluating players. I have no problem admitting that. But here's the thing when you're watching high school players, you don't need to be able to evaluate that technique. What I can see with Caden Proctor is dude packs one hell of a punch. Like, like he's got power in those hands. Fantastic size, 6'7, 330. Even if that's embellishing a little bit, like 6'5, 315, 320 is still more than enough to be to be an, an entering college player. And even 6'5 at the NFL is a fine level. Honestly, growing taller than 6'7 might be a little bit of an issue for him. So he, he's got a ton of power in his hands. Fantastic size. And he he's got a little he's got a little spring in his step. I'm not gonna say he's fast, but he's 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 quick to shoot up, and I I think that's big here. Like, and he's already been playing left tackle, so he's already playing the most valuable position on the offensive line. I think he projects as a fantastic fit in the wide zone, and that's why I included him. I think in this wide zone, he is gonna be a freak because he's got that quick first step where he can kind of bop someone and quickly get going to the next level and just clear paths. So I think that's gonna be a big thing for Caden Proctor, and I would love it if he's in Gainesville in 2023. Anybody else make money this weekend? I know I didn't. The Super Super Bowl cleaned me out. I lost so much, especially once Odell got hurt. It was just, it was burnt for me. So, yay. Um, BetOnline.net even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. I mean, that's how I do it. I love the mobile device or mobile site. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. Talking about Gators in the Super Bowl, that was really fun to talk about losing all that much. Like It was bad. I'll say that. It was really bad. Um, Joe Mixon receiving yards did not go great. Um, what else? I almost lost some at Stafford when he took the knee. I thought he was going to lose those two yards. I had over five and a half, but. We good there. Uh, but Van Jefferson's the first guy to talk about easily when we're talking about the Super Bowl and the winning team here. Um, what a night this dude had. Like he, yeah, four catches for 23 yards. Not amazing. Don't care. But within three hours, Van Jefferson won his first career Super Bowl and his wife gave birth to their second child. So that is dope. Congratulations to the Jefferson family. And it's also really cool that Van Jefferson wore, wore gator gloves during the Super Bowl, and that was just awesome to see. Like, I didn't even notice it until I saw the hand on the face mask and the little logo right there. It, it was awesome to see of just Van Jefferson, you know, repping the Gators in the Super Bowl, especially when Florida had the most players in the Super Bowl, but he was just legitimately just repping them individually, and that was awesome to see. Uh, he also should have had a touchdown. He should have had five catches for probably like 35 yards, I want to say it was, and a touchdown, but uh I mean, he was wide open in the back of the end zone, and Matt Stafford just sailed the ball like eight yards above him. And it's just like, well, damn. <laughs> there goes that. It ultimately led to a touchdown and the Rams' victory. But I mean, it would have been really cool if Van Jefferson caught it. And that would have just made his night even more awesome. Uh, the other the other Gator that won his Super Bowl, Brandon Powell, who had, had had a quiet night. You know, he's listed as a receiver, but he's more of a return specialist than anything else. One kick return for 17 yards. 
four punt returns for 25 yards. Still a Super Bowl champ, though, as he was the second of two Gators on the Los Angeles Rams to win. And I mean, that was just awesome for him. I wanted like a big, a big special teams play from him just because I don't think they that there's been a Florida Gator returning kicks or punts since Percy Harvin did it for the Seahawks against the Broncos. So I, I, it just would have been awesome <laughs> to see. I got the last two times a, a Gator was a returner in the Super Bowl, they made a huge play. So that would have been awesome. But I mean, you know, Kevin Huber's a great punter for the Cincinnati Bengals. So he kind of kept the ball away from him or, or didn't give him really a chance to return it. And I mean, obviously, these are two elite teams where it, it makes sense why, uh, why, why punt returning wasn't a huge thing in this game. But it was still cool to see Brandon Powell out there and still cool to see him get a ring. Looking at the Bengals side, which was less fortunate um, <laughs> by more ways than one, um, the only Gator that played in the Super Bowl for the Bengals. Evan McPherson, the kicker, um, you know, and before I even get into his play, uh, I, I saw a lot of people like complaining on Twitter about him being out there for the halftime show and, and like bopping and grooving. And it's like, you are so dumb. <laughs> like, like, how are you going to get mad at the kicker for not being in the locker room at halftime? What are you going to say? What is Zach Taylor going to go up to him? And say, hey, man, can you kick it from our side of the 50? Like, that's I don't know what else you want from him. Like, he did his thing. I mean, Evan McPherson, he he finished his perfect postseason. He went 20 for 20 on kicks just this this postseason. He went with extra points and field goals combined. He went 20 for 20. Now, I ain't going to fault him. <laughs> like, that loss does not fall on him. So, I mean, it, it's just, and I mean, he went, what, uh, two for two from the from field goals and two for two at PATs uh, on Sunday night. So, I don't know what you, what more you could want from him. And he had constant touchbacks. I, I don't know what more you could ask for him. So I, I don't even care when people complain about that. Like Evan McPherson, you good in my book. I don't I don't care. Next up, though, someone who's not good in our book anymore. Um, Vernon Hargraves the third. Uh let, let's talk about this for a second. We, we're gonna do it. Um Vernon Hargraves the third of course, had a very silly play where um, Jesse Bates intercepted Matthew Stafford in the back of the end zone and the Bengals celebrated. And that that's like, you should celebrate. That's an awesome thing to do. But what, uh, what happened after the interception was foolish because of course they intercepted it and there was less than two minutes left. Um, and it was a touchback and it was like, okay, like sure ball like that. That's fine. Whatever. Um, and then Vernon Hargraves the third, who was inactive in the game. It's important to note. Inactive in the Super Bowl. So not dressed, nothing. Hoodie, and I believe shorts, runs onto the field and starts celebrating with his, with his Bengals teammates. And that's great. But that is a penalty. So so he got penalized and kind of kind of screwed that whole drive for them to end the first half. Uh really sucked for him to deal with that um i mean they didn't we don't know that it cost them points like they could have scored they didn't score and then they punted and they still stopped the rams so it i mean we don't know if it really cost them points but it's just like and it's one of those things where it's the same thing with the shoe game or not even with the shoe game but it's a similar thing where it's like juices are flowing like you're not even thinking about it but you have to think about like that's such a boneheaded play that you cannot do that. And he did it. 
and it's just one of those things where you're like, yeah, it, it was boneheaded. It's like I want to be like, oh, it's hard to fault him, but it's a Super Bowl. Like you've got to be there, even if you're not actively playing the game. And that was just dumb as hell on his part. Fred Johnson, the other Gator uh, on the roster, did not play in the game. Uh, I don't even know if he was active, but he didn't, he didn't play. So Fred Johnson did not play. Congrats to Van Jefferson and Brandon Powell for winning their first Super Bowls. Evan McPherson, hopefully you'll make it back. Vernon Hargraves, I don't even know what the hell is about to happen to you this offseason. So good luck, buddy. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless questions or seem like in intimidating questions? Like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, bro? And it's like, I don't know, I'm scared. Uh, and when wait while well, the person behind the counter orders parts from their computer, like you could just do it from Rock Auto. I've told you all the time, I am horrible when it comes to actually doing anything or knowing anything with my car. But like, I just get told, hey, you need this. And I just go to Rock Auto and it's like, wow, that, that's so easy. Save time and money using Rock Auto. Go explore their easy to use website. Like I could do it. It's, it's very easy to use. Right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know exactly who sent you with amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. To wrap up today's show, we are previewing tonight's game between the Florida Gators and the Texas A&M Aggies. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to take a very brief look at Saturday's game from Florida. Uh, they played number five, Kentucky. And like I said, I, I think it was either Thursday or Friday's episode. I was like, hey, good luck, Florida, because like this probably going to be a whooping. And guess what? It was a whooping. Florida got absolutely mollywopped by Kentucky on Saturday it was 78 to 57. Not not a surprising result. Like I thought it'd be a little closer, but of course when you consider Tyree Appleby's injury, that makes sense why their offense wasn't as good. 78, I feel like that's fine to give up to Kentucky. I just think or maybe like a little less would be ideal, but is what it is your offense pretty much did nothing. Like Colin Castleton was shooting mid-range jumpers and he was like he was the dude, and it's like, like, what the hell is going on here? Um, but you know, the Gators got absolutely manhandled on the re- on the boards. Just getting out rebounded, forty one twenty five is completely unacceptable. It just, just couldn't happen. And like Florida couldn't force turnovers either. I think Kentucky had, uh, I want to say, five turnovers the entire game. I think Florida had three steals. Uh, so it's like, if you, if you can't force turnovers and you can't rebound. Like, like you're going to get run out the gym. Like, like you, you can't rebound. You can't take the ball away. You're, you're going to get just run out the gym. And that's what happened. Like, it was, it was domination there. And like I mentioned briefly, Tyree Appleby uh, got injured. He got kneed in the thigh. He hurt his like, hamstring injury. Uh, tried coming back into the second half, and it just wasn't happening. So he is out. And I haven't, at the time of recording this, um, which is early because obviously Valentine's Day. So, you know, yeah, it's early. But uh, I have not seen anything really indicating um, whether or not he'll be playing in tonight's game. So there's that. But if he's not, then it, it sucks. I mean, like like Texas A&M, they're on an eight-game losing streak. So it, it helps a little bit that they're playing a team that just, you know, started 15-2 and two and, you know, did not great after that. Um, so there's that. But, I mean – I, I'm, I'm expecting a relatively low scoring game here. Both teams are are pretty solid defensively. They're 
Um, somewhat evenly matched offensively. I want to say for Florida, like, like you've got one distinct advantage here where Tyree Appleby would have been phenomenal to have in that Texas A&M this year, they've done a good job forcing turnovers, but they've also done a very bad job in allowing open threes. And I mean, if you're Florida, if you could take advantage of that, that's huge. Like, like Florida, you've got to find open looks. That has to be a big thing. And that's a little worrisome because like I've spoken about it repeatedly where I'm like, Florida, just the shot selection is not there. And and like, you, you've got to clean it up here. And I, I think this is one of those games where it's on Myron Jones a bit. Like, and, and I get it. I have been harsher than most people, maybe the harshest on Myron Jones this season. I've, I've been just, I feel like I've been tearing it to him relentlessly. But if there's ever a game for you to turn it up like you did last week, this is the one. Like, like this is the game because AM, not good at defending the three. Florida, Terry Alpy's out. Like we need, like we need some points here. Myra Jones, if you can get those open looks and you can hit those threes, that would be greatly appreciated from you. Because I mean, that's got to be a thing. That that's got to be a big thing for Florida. It's just getting those open threes because they're gonna be there, and you've got to convert them. I, I think I, I think that's actually a better way to say it. Not getting the open threes, but converting on your open three point opportunities because they're going to pop up here. And like Florida, like you've got to clean up the rebounding. Twenty five rebounds in a game is pitiful. Like absolutely unacceptable. Like that. That's just. That is a bad like that like thirty three is bad for me like I I think thirty three is a bad number to have, and you were significantly below that so like like I, and I'm not sure how to play out either because Texas A and M has been so inconsistent rebounding like like um I believe their last game they had forty rebounds if I'm not mistaken but like two games before that they had like twenty one and then twenty and it's it's it they're both teams are very inconsistent on the boards and I feel like that's kind of got to that's going to play a part in it. Like Texas A&M, like I, I mentioned it a little bit before, Texas A&M has done a, a, a pretty good job at forcing turnovers and creating fast break opportunities. And Florida has struggled taking care of the ball. So I think that's another thing where it's like, Florida, you've got to convert on your three-point opportunities. You've got to clean up the rebounds because you're probably going to lose the turnover battle. You're almost definitely going to lose the turnover battle. So I, I, I think Florida, you've got a few things to really clean up on to win this game tonight. But at the same time, it's like, I, I think it's going to be an ugly, like I'm going to take the under. I don't even know what it is. It's probably going to be, if I had to guess, the under is going to be somewhere around 134 and a half. And I'm going to take the under. That's just especially without Tyree Appleby, like I'm not expecting a ton of points from Florida. I'm not expecting a ton of points from Texas A&M. Like, I'm taking the under here for sure. Um, I mean, and that's also that matters. Like if Tyree Appleby can play, how much, like how, what percentage will he be? Will he be 80% Tyree Appleby? Will he be 93% Tyree? I don't know why I choose three, but 93% Tyree. Like what will we get from him? And I mean, he's got a hamstring injury. I, I don't know how much he'll be able to play, how much he'll go. If I'm Mike White, I'm sitting him. I, I especially with hamstrings, I don't play with that. Like, like, like if there's a hamstring dog, sit till you're good because I, I don't want you to come back for 20 minutes and or not even 20 minutes and then you're out for the year. Like, I, like there are five games left in the season before the SEC tournament. So just, just get them healthy and, and get what you can get out of them long term. Um, cause that's just, that's one of the things where I don't think you can mess around with a hamstring injury. 
And hopefully Florida can win this game. I, I think it'll be close. That's that's why I'm like, I don't know what happened. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Florida will ultimately walk away with a victory here. Uh, I, th- I think Texas A&M, you know, eight-game losing streak. The momentum is not in their favor. I think the matchups are kind of even in most parts. Um, where I, I just think as long as you can convert those threes, you win this game. Like, I, I, I think Florida is going to win this game. I think it'll be low scoring, but I think Florida wins the game maybe like like 60 to 54 or something like it's like, it's going to be pretty low scoring. Uh, but I mean, that's it. Like you've got it. You got to start winning these games. This last stretch is you got Auburn up next this Saturday. And it's going to be rough. You got A&M tonight. You, I think, I think this game's one of those like must win games for Florida and hopefully they can do it. Thanks again for making lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available to daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about our Florida Gators. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel because we're, we're vibing over here. We're doing some live streams and stuff that you won't get on the podcasting platforms. So make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel there, and I will see you all tomorrow.